Welcome to Pixel Tunes Radio, a podcast where we have fun talking about video games and video game music. I am Ninja Mike. And I'm Samurai Ed. You can't be a samurai if this is a ninja show. Sure I can. Well, Shuriken. Shuriken. <laughs> oh, boy. Wah, wah. Oh, this episode's going to be fun. Well, I can't be like Kunoichi puns. Ed, because that would be weird. You'd be girl ninja. would be the wee last Kunoichi Ed. Wee, wee Irish, <laughs> like an Ireland. Uh, like I remember from last show, I called myself a lass by accident. You did, yeah. yeah. yeah so. so I guess you are Kunoichi. I'm a little girl ninja well, with a full beard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so this episode, we are doing... Ninjas. Ninjas. Because there are so many awesome ninja games. Yeah. And so many of those ninja games have awesome music. So why not? Why not celebrate the ninja? Why not celebrate the ninja? But before we get to that, uh, we figured we'd go over a couple quick things regarding uh, a couple previous episodes. You have something to say about Bionic Commando, is that right? Yeah, I do want to make a correction for last episode where I credited the level 8 music to Junko Tamiya. There's actually two tracks in the NES Bionic Commando that were arranged from the original arcade version, mm. which was originally written by Harumi Fujita. Oh. And so that track that I played was actually one of those two tracks, and I didn't even know that. I'm not no I'm not as familiar with the arcade version of the soundtrack as I obviously am with the NES one. So I did want to kind of retract that and credit Harumi Fujita to that Area 8 soundtrack that we played, and it was arranged by Junko Tamiya for the NES. Gotcha. So there's my gotcha. correction. All right. Well, thank you for that. Well, uh, we actually got a response about two episodes ago. Uh, Matt Furness actually posted on our YouTube page and gave us an answer regarding uh, what we had talked about during the episode. We were probably discussing want to know if Dan Forden or, or Matt right, wrote if those Dan tracks. Forden wrote the track or if Matt Furness arranged it. So we were discussing that quite a bit in the episode, and we had a hunch that. It was Matt Furness that had composed it. So I just flat out asked him when he complimented us on the episode. And his response was, thanks, I wrote that song. It's inspired by Dan Forden's MK soundtrack. So he composed the song, but it was inspired by his original Makes version. sense. Yeah. Yeah, and Dan Forden definitely deserves the credit for the sound of Absolutely. Mortal Kombat as an entire series. Totally agree. So. But we'd love to hear from composers because then we can kind of fill you guys in on the ins and outs of the composing of video game music. So what else we got to talk about? Well, I just wanted to thank everybody for the kind words about last episode. We received an overwhelming amount of positive we did. feedback from you guys. And we love feedback, whether it's you know constructive criticism or compliments on our work. We, we do put a lot of work into our shows. So you know any, any feedback you guys give us, whether it's you know, a suggestion for something we can do better or something that you'd like to hear more of. We uh, we always love to hear from you guys. We obviously always appreciate your your feedback. We would love if we could have a few more iTunes ratings. I think we're at still at less than 20. We've been at this for over a year. So if you guys are listening to this on iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes, you can always look us up on iTunes. If you appreciate our show, that's a great place because the more ratings we get, the more visible we are. So when people search for video game oriented podcasts, we'll come up, you know, higher on the list if we have more more ratings and reviews. So we would really appreciate some iTunes ratings. Yeah, any support that you guys can give, sharing the podcast is a great way to get the word out there so that way we can have more people join that group as well. And if you have any friends that are into video game music, 
tell them about the Facebook group. Get them signed in, and that way we can kind of show them what it's all about, and then maybe they'll check out an episode or two. So yeah. uh, we're here to serve you guys and, and let you know about all these tracks that you may or may not have heard, and you know, just to be there for you. So let's talk about ninjas. I'm totally okay with this. <laughs> Who doesn't like to talk about ninjas? When was the first time that you really kind of like bowed about it when it comes to ninjas? Nintendo Power. Really? Yeah. Well, that was the one with Ninja Gaiden on the cover. Okay. And they had, along with a huge article on the game, they also had kind of a historical overview of the ninja and their costume and their weapons. And I remember they had the huge Ninja Gaiden poster, and on the back it was like instructions on how to like make a ninja hood, huh. and I like descriptions of what like oh, shurikens man. and katanas and all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I would read that over and over and over again. I just thought it was so cool. That's pretty neat. So that was my first introduction to, I mean, I, I knew of ninjas, I think, at that point. Sure, sure. But that was really where I kind of started learning about truthful ninjas versus just the mythology behind the ninja. Lying ninjas. Yes. Not truthful ninjas. Yes. Well, see, that's the thing. The ninjas were kind of, as opposed to the samurai who fought by honor and out in public, ninjas were masters of subterfuge and assassination. And they didn't, you know, they, they would stab people in the back just as quickly as say hi to you. Whereas a samurai would always make sure you're looking them dead in the eye when they cut your head off. True. Yeah, I mean, I would say probably Ninja Turtles was my first introduction to ninjas. Just because I was of that age yeah. and everything was ninjas back then. So, and even then, um, they weren't really true ninjas. Yeah, yeah. But I would say, probably for games, Ninja Gaiden 2 was my first like ninja game. I just love the cover of that game. So cool. I mean, the whole game is awesome. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Do you remember those little like ninja toys? The little like rubber, tiny ninja toys? And they came in different colors, and you can get them in the gumball machines. Do you oh yeah, those? yeah, 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 yeah. Whole oh, man. They look a lot I, like ninja. Yeah, stuff yeah, too. yeah, a little bit. I used to collect those, and I had like an army of them. I mean, I must have had like 50 of them, and they all like I would make sure that I had like the different colors. Like I would get the green ones, and I would make sure that all the green ones had like. You know, there'd be a sword one, there'd be a ninja star, you know, shuriken one, there'd be, you know, like a bow staff yeah, one. Yeah. And I so would get all those. They were about the size of those little muscle wrestling yeah, 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 yeah. But they were like, I, you could get them on eBay for like 99 cents. I should totally That's pick awesome. a pack of those. Those must have sold like wildfire if we both oh remember God. them clearly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So ninjas can be traced back into as early as the 12th century, but they become more popular during the, the 15th to the 17th centuries. And they were not like the ninjas that we see in, in video games. From what history tells us, they were masters of subterfuge, like I said before. You know, they, they would be sneaky and they would be assassins or they would sabotage things and, and kind of go behind the scenes against warring factions in, in feudal Japan. While they used, you know, shurikens and katanas and a lot of the things that we see ninjas using nowadays, you know, they wouldn't like disappear into a whirling tornado and, right. and, and sakura leaves would fall out from where they, they were. It's more like Tenchu. Um, as far as like ninjas, Right, Tenchu's like, probably the most like historically historically accurate. accurate. Yeah, no I agree. It was more like, you know, they were playing Metal Gear solid, like, right. you know, being being sneaky and just taking out people without making a sound. And, and that's kind of where they got their mystique, because some of them were so good that they can get in and out of buildings, leave a flood of bodies behind, and nobody would have even known that right. they were there. So naturally, people start to believe that these people have supernatural powers, when really they were just highly trained, highly disciplined, and very, very dangerous people. Right. So, we will play our first track 
for this Ninjatastic episode, and it is from a little game on the Nintendo Entertainment System called Shadow of the Ninja. This was a really, really hard soundtrack for me to pick from because I love this soundtrack. It's one of my favorite NES soundtracks. Uh, just balls to the wall metal, like really heavy tracks. And this was one of the heavier, chuggier tracks. Yeah, that bass line is definitely yeah, chuggy. Yeah, yeah. And I really, I really dig it. It's just, it sounds good. As far as the instrumentation itself goes, you can definitely hear guitar in the, in the chugging part. And then it kind of goes into these sparse, kind of like fast runs of, of, of melodies of notes. And it kind of tails off at each end of each note where it kind of, I don't want to say bends more of like a vibrato, but it, it definitely, it's really cool the way that they pull it off. That's one of the things about composing that I always look at and I'm like, I understand how you can compose on like a keyboard, but to bend a note like that in a Nintendo track, the way that the hardware works, I just, I can never wrap my mind around how they do that technologically. Because I know that all the code was written in assembly for for the NES. Like all every game was written in assembly. Depending on the sound driver that you use, some right. of it was written as code where you would have to enter in values. But then mm -hmm. there were some engines where I, I believe that you can actually play on a keyboard, and then as you play on a keyboard, it would it would write the code, and then you would import that code right. into the NES. I'll have to ask Iko Mizutani. He is one of the composers. The other composer is Koichi Yamanishi. And Iko Mizutani has, they, they, first off, they're both Natsume composers. Both did a ton of NES stuff. Koichi Yamanishi worked on Shadow of the Ninja. He worked on Amazing Penguin for the Game Boy, World Boxing for the Famicom, and also Dragon Fighter for the NES. So it doesn't have a huge library of games that he's worked on. Uh, There's some good tunes on been those known. Oh, absolutely. Dragonfire has an amazing soundtrack. Yes. Really good stuff. And that's a little bit more of an expensive game, but it's worth it just for the soundtrack alone. And Iku Mizutani worked on quite a bit of stuff, actually, up until the 2000s. I mean, he's been working for Natsumi for quite a bit. He's kind of bounced around. He's done some production work. He's done directing work as well. Audio-wise, as far as like composition, uh, he worked on Shatterhand, Spanky's Quest, Amazing Penguin. He also he was the sound manager on Dragonfire, so he oversaw Yamanishi's work right. on Dragonfire. And you know the combination of these two guys creates awesome stuff. I mean, this Dragonfighter. Dragonfighter. I thought you said fire. Dragon Fighter. Oh. I might have said it too quickly. You might have. I said, you know, yeah. I meant Dragon Fighter. You were just too fast. I was just so just excited. Way of the ninja. <laughs> but he started off on Russian Attack way back in 1985, and uh, which I didn't even know he did anything for Konami, and that's kind of cool. That is neat. Worked on Metal Gear, the original one. He did the uh, sound effects from Metal Gear. and uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I mean, just any game that came out for Natsume that had an amazing soundtrack, you could almost always question yourself and be like, wait a minute, did Iku Mizutani do this? And the answer is almost always, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> what I think is really cool is he worked on a Bobo's Big Adventure. <laughs> he did. And he did. Uh, that was a really cool game. Have you ever played that? No, Probably I have not. It's an indie title that basically takes the graphics and gameplay of the original Double Dragon, right. and kind of expands upon it, and then obviously Abobo is the main character in the game, so you're fighting as him, 
but then he just runs through all these sorts of ridiculous situations where, you know, characters from different games pop up, and it's just a lot of fun. Like when he's a cook? I wish. That would be awesome if that he would was be working cool. at a, like if he Adobo, had his own, Adobo Dojo. Yeah, like if he had his own restaurant, that'd be pretty neat. Came out in 2012, so who knows, they might be working on a sequel as we speak. Maybe. Mm. Who actually, like, got the rights to work on? I mean, that was an indie game. Yeah. So it wasn't like... They didn't charge anything for it when it came out. Right, so, there so it's more like a... Yeah. I guess Trade West or Technos or whoever owns the rights to Double Dragon at this point just kind of looked the other way. Yeah. No like, big deal. That's cool. It's not making Some companies are money. cool with that, and some companies are very strict about that stuff. So. Square! <coughs> yeah, and so... Oh. Yeah. So yeah, anyways, about this track, it... it as far as the sound, it, a lot of the tracks that we're gonna play have a very Japanese sound. Japanese action music. Yeah. It's like a genre in and of itself. Yeah. It kind of encompasses kind of like a metal or a rock aesthetic, but then can also be dance. But overall, it's like if you think about like the Mega Man soundtrack, right. or you think about, I don't know, some other soundtracks out there, like the Ninja Gaiden soundtrack. Right. They all have kind of this very fast paced, no rests, you know, it's all just really fast, fast. action-paced right. music. You know, I mean, we're talking about ninjas here, so obviously you're gonna True. have that kind of sound for your games. So these are some really good examples of what I like to call the Japanese action game soundtrack. Right, very true, very true. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. So this is Shadow of the Ninja Stage 2 by Iku Mizutani and Koichi Yamanishi. Thank you. 
Alright, welcome back. That last track was from Ninja Warriors for the Sega CD, or really just the Mega, Mega CD, because yeah. it never came out over here. And that track came out in 1993. And that was a little track that we like to call Daddy Mulk. Why do they call it Daddy Mulk? Because Mulk was the name of the character that created the ninjas. Okay. So he's the ninja's daddy. Mm. So he's Daddy Mulk. Interesting. Makes sense now, doesn't it? Now it makes sense. And those are also the, the those kind of uh, <laughs> vocoder lyrics in the song. It's right. Daddy, dad, 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 daddy, and then Daddy Mulk after that. So. Really creepy. I really think that the vocoder stuff that they do is interesting. It gives a different feel to the track. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the track on its own is just really great, really great dancey, kind of bouncy track. But throwing that in just kind of, at, at first, it's... It distorts the song a bit, and you're just kind of like, where's this coming from? Like, I've never heard something like this before. Yeah, well those samples were originally lifted directly from the original arcade version. Oh, okay. So Daddy Mulk was originally out on the Taito arcade systems, and the unique thing about it, the game itself isn't that great. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a like a Russian attack style game where you're yeah. just walking from side to side and there's enemies coming from either way. It's like Kung Fu, that kind of style right. game. But the game itself in the arcades was three monitors wide. Oh, was so it? So you're, you're, you're walking in the middle monitor, but the enemies that are coming at you from the left and the right, you can see them coming from like a mile away. So it's like the X-Men are six, six player arcade. Yeah, games. exactly. Yeah. But you know, you can't move from monitor to monitor. Like right. you always stay focused. You always on the stay in the middle. The other two monitors are really almost vestigial. Okay. Um, just kind of let you prepare a little bit earlier for attacks Jeez, that you might be doing. That must have been a really expensive arcade machine to build. Yeah, it's been in a few arcades that I've been to. I've actually really? played it on the arcade. Oh wow! And you know, I guess it kind of worked as far as popularizing the game because I don't think I would have played it if I'd seen it on a single arcade screen cabinet because it's not really that flashy. You know, the graphics are kind of ugly. You were saying before, the walking animation is really, really stiff. You know, these ninjas that you play as in the game, they're like really robots underneath their... Robots in disguise. Robots in disguise. Yeah. The robots under their ninja clothes. And I think maybe they made the decision to make them robots because their walking animations were so <sighs> awkward. Yeah. <laughs> like they actually look like they're robots. It was an afterthought. You know, yeah, robots walking down right. the streets. So, uh, but the music is really where the game shines and it was composed by members of Suntata, who we've talked about in the past. It was kind of the name for Taito's in-house band. That's right. And Daddy Mok was originally composed by Hisayoshi Ogura and he's got a huge history with Taito. And we should really do a an episode just on his music at some point because all of this stuff is absolutely fantastic. He's cool. worked on much of the Darius series, Darius Burst in, in 2009, and then going back worked on Darius Gaiden. Sagaya, which had an excellent soundtrack. It's a shooter, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so and a lot of shooter work. A lot of shooter work, but he was originally, or the original composer for Arkanoid, Bubble Bobble, Rainbow Islands, so all of those kind of popular arcade Big games. Big time Taito games. That yeah. They didn't have a lot of music, but what they had of them was really, really good. Sure. You know, he was responsible for all that. There's a video going around on YouTube, and it's posted now and again, of Zuntada performing Daddy Mulk live in concert. That's cool. And it's absolutely phenomenal. We'll have to post that. Yeah, and uh, the guy who's playing the keyboard throughout the entire is is Ogura, so you can get right. to see what it looks like and actually see him perform okay. the song, which is really cool. Yeah, it's I think um I think it's been posted in our page before, but we've never put it in the group, so right. we'll have to put that up for this episode. The, you know, there's times I really wished I lived in Japan because. <laughs> 
you could go and see, and even nowadays, you can go and see composers go and play a show or do a DJ set at a random club or or bar or whatever. They just show up, they do a set, and then they leave. And yeah. and like to the to the Japanese, they're like, oh yeah, no, this is just normal. But to like in America, like when I got the chance to see Yuzo Koshiro live, I jumped at the chance to oh, do. It. I would too. Yeah. And stuff like that, like we never get to see these composers in the States. So being in the United States, anytime I hear a situation where there's a convention where there's gonna be a composer like that, I always am like, man, I wish I lived in Japan so I didn't have to go to these crazy, like expensive events and I could just like go to my local bar and be like, oh, there's Zentata. Yeah. They're just playing background music in the background. Kip Tanaka's doing a set tonight. Yeah. Wanna go down and grab a beer? Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> it's garbage. It's hot garbage. <laughs> Wish to live in Japan. I could be a ninja in real life. Yes. Yes. And just sneak around, and you can get into bars free that way. Yeah. Just climbing through the open window, and that's what we'll do. Slink around. I'll abandon my girlfriend. You'll abandon your wife and kids, and we'll just go be ninjas in Japan. Perfect. This is that's a fantasy come true. This is you know what? This is gonna work. Sorry, honey and kids. Sorry, Pat. I'm gonna be a ninja. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> your dog will miss you. Yeah. But my girlfriend will be like, you know whatever. what, Shinobi? Shinobi's yeah. got a dog. That's you could true. bring Harley. Oh yeah, attack dog. He's got a a a husky. It's like a wolf. A, is it a wolf. Yeah, he's a he's wolf. Like a, yeah, he's a wolf. Oh, the huskies are close enough. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then no, you but can... what'll end up happening is, you know, my dog, and he'll just go up to enemies, and just be like, "Wanna play? Hi, hi. Wanna play? Will you rub my belly? <laughs> Do you know where the other bad guys are? I want to hang out with them too. <laughs> I go back to your hideout. Oh, my owner can come too, right? So, perfect. Yeah, that'll happen. You know, all I had to do was give him a sausage or a yeah. kibble and done. That's it. Done. That's it. Friend that's, for life. That's how huskies are, man. Uh, you feed them and that they're putty in your hands. So getting back on track, <laughs> Hayasoshi Ogura was the original composer for the game, um, but Tamayo Kawamoto also worked on the game, and he was credited for drama music, which I believe meant the scenes or the in-between okay. scenes. The really cool thing about the Sega CD version is there's a extra mode in the game where it's not full motion video, but it's like a like a slideshow of the members of Zontada and they actually put themselves in like the game's plot. So <laughs> <laughs> like dress up. So as yeah ninjas. this guy this guy like walks into uh, his office and he finds somebody's murdered and in blood written on the wall is ZTT, which are the, like the Japanese initials for Zuntado. That's okay. how like, they put it on their album covers right, and stuff. Right. So this guy like tries to find out where Zuntado's playing their next show. So he goes to a bar and then Zuntado's playing in the background. Okay. So then it, and then it switches over to like images of Zuntado playing, I believe it's Daddy Malk, playing the song while like pictures of them playing the song appear on the screen. So this whole game is just an advertisement to go see Zuntado live. Essentially, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, kind of brings him to the foreground. And, and the, the thing is that the guy that goes to the bar, his he's Mulk. So seeing Zuntada perform live, like, inspires him to make these ninjas. It's kind of like... Game. It's, it's just really bizarre. It's kind of like in the Double Dragon movie when they punch the Double Dragon cabinet. Yes. And everyone's like, oh, uh, Dumb. The third composer involved in this game, his name is Junichi Kawaguchi. And this is the only game he's ever been credited for really? for arrangement. Hmm. He was probably maybe a member of Zuntada's live band. He played the triangle. Sure. Ting, 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 ting. Yeah, yeah. But he did arrange the entire Mega CD version. So in the, in the Mega CD version, you can either play using the original arcade music 
or the arranged music. That's so cool. it's a lot of music on the yeah, disc. Yeah, definitely. And it's all Redbook audio, which is great too. Great. So you can just pop it into just CD player and, and play it. it. Yeah. But he did a really good job, you know, arranging obviously the entire soundtrack. That's that's Ninja Warriors, man. Yeah. Not that great of a game. Fantastic soundtrack. This was released in 1993, and then in 94 they released the Super Nintendo version of the game. Yes. And this was one of your picks. Yes, it was. Ninja Warriors, also called Ninja Warriors again in Japan, came out in 1994 for Super Nintendo. And this game did come to the States, and it was an amazing game. Totally worth the high price tag that people pay for it now. Oh, is it expensive? It is like $89 now. Really? Yes. Wow, sitting on my shelf. Yeah, man. Cheers. It is a great game. I am so glad I have it in my collection. Mm. I bought I bought that game for like 12 bucks. Yeah, they took the uh, the basic premise of the original Ninja Warriors, kind of the left-to-right combat, right. but they made the characters much bigger. There's, what, three different kinds of characters you yes. can use? So three different your... types of robots. There's the Kunoichi female robot who they've made. Very original name, Kunoichi. Kunoichi, yeah. They made her a lot more not stiff and rigid and ugly looking. Yeah. Like, she's very, like, bushy. Like, her hair is very bushy in the original game. Yeah. And she's very stiff, like we were talking about. It's a very high, long ponytail. Right, right. And so they've kind of prettied her up a little bit, even though she's pretty much completely covered in pink, (laughs) bright pink clothing. And she's also a robot. And she's a robot, so. And then there's the super quick ninja who has like uh, blades on his arms. And extendable limbs. And extendable arms and limbs and stuff. And then there's this like hulking giant blue uh, ninja that is just, he's like the Hulk. It's like tank. Basically. Yeah, he's like, he's just a tank, <laughs> man. You just, you cannot, you know. He's very slow. Uh, so it, it's a really cool game, and I would say it's a better beat-em-up than most Super Nintendo games. Yeah, I would yeah. even say it's better than the sequels to Final Fight. It uh, it feels a lot like um, like those X-Men games that Capcom yeah. put out. Pretty yep. similar to that. It even uses like, like Street Fighter-style moves. Apocalypse, like Apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and War of the Gems. Yeah. And uh, so it kind of feels like that. If you're familiar with those games, then then Ninja Warriors feels just like that. But it, yeah, it also uses like I was saying the, the Street Fighter style moves. Where you can do like a quarter circle toward, and you can right. you can rush at guys and and uh, you know do uppercuts and stuff like that. So it makes the game a lot of fun to play because you're not just using the the like kneeling slash or standing slash like you are in the original Ninja Warriors. Right. And while Zuntada's track for the original Ninja Warriors is more dance aerobic type music. <laughs> I don't know. It's got a very like late 80s, early 90s yeah, it's, pop feel to right. it. Right. And this track is way funkier. Like this is just, and I don't know if it's it's the influence from Hiroki Iwatsuki because he was one of the composers. It was also composed by Yasuo Yamate, which we'll get into the composers in just a minute, but uh, I know Iwatsuki's work pretty well. I mean, he's done all kinds of crazy stuff. He did uh, Shoshin Sentai Jetman, which is a fantastic Famicom uh, soundtrack. Ninja Gaiden Shadow, uh, which was basically Shadow of the Ninja, uh, but for Game Boy. Shatterhand, which he did the sound effects for. Uh, Pocky and Rocky, so he composed that. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, he did the sound effects for. And of course, Ninja Warriors again, which is this game. Uh, Wild Guns, he composed Wild Guns. Yeah, that's a good soundtrack. So he's done an Omega 5. Uh, which we were talking Omega about during the break. Omega 5. Omega 5. So we were talking about these games during the break. He is pretty much a Natsume guy. He has always, for the most part, done really guitar-driven or very funky stuff. And this falls squarely in the funk. This is totally funky. I mean, the bass roll that you hear, that's, I think, one of the most impressive parts of this song, is just you've got this 
really tight, intense slap bass, and it's just really very well pronounced. I, it's no secret that I really love bass, especially <laughs> slap bass. It's, it's really awesome that it's so pronounced and so loud here. It's not obnoxiously loud, but it's just, you hear him playing the notes and you just hear that roll when they're going into notes. It's just like he's slapping three strings on the bass guitar like at once just to put in a nice little roll before he goes back into the main uh, riff. So it's just, it's really cool. I love the bass on this track. Yeah, SNES gets a lot of flack sometimes for being really tinny sounding, yeah, yeah. but it has such an immense Spectrum. potential yeah. for, for really deep, nice, rich bass tones. Like right. Super Adventure Island, obviously, is another one where it just kind of rattles your subwoofer. Right. And this is another game where it's got that, like I, I was telling you before, it sounds a lot like Super EDF to me, right. that, that slap bass, and then you can almost hear it kind of rolling into the same kind of bass solos that, that Super EDF does. Yeah. Uh, it, and it sounds a lot like a, like a shmup style song to me, even though it's a, it's a fighting game. So I, think I there's, really like it. I think with the Genesis versus the Super Nintendo, as far as like bass goes, I, I always thought that even though the Genesis does bass really well, I love slap bass on the Super Nintendo. I will always, I think, prefer, aside from maybe like Toe Jam and Earl's soundtracks, on, yeah, I just love the slap bass on those. But if you're gonna do slap bass on a, on a video game system, I think that's personally the Super Nintendo takes. For slap bass, yes, distance. I will agree yeah. with you there. Yeah, yes, just got that really rich tone. But, uh, and then the rest of the song is, is, for the most part, just, you know, really funky, dancey. It's really good stuff. Uh, for the other composer, Yasuo Yamate. He goes by the name Tate Norio, yeah, mostly. Yeah, which I was confused. Why is his name different? But anyways, <laughs> he's a music com composer and audio engineer, originally hired by SNK back in the day, back in the, eight, uh, the 80s. And he did a ton of soundtracks for various different types of games, such as Sonic and Ninja Gaiden series, Final Fight, Contra. He did a lot of work for the SNK uh, versus Capcom game, uh, for SNK versus Capcom SVC Chaos. Did a lot of work on the Fatal Fury series and the Metal Slug series as well. He also worked on the first two Sengoku games, which I don't know about the first two, but the third one has an amazing soundtrack. So. Yes, the, the first two Sengoku games are very kind of ambient, uh, traditional, like, like Japanese, Japanese style, style music. music. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, uh, he also worked on Last Blade, which had a very similar soundtrack to that. That was, that was a one -on -one fighting game. Saturn fighter? No, Last Blade was Neo Geo. It was Neo Geo. Well, I mean, it came out on the Saturn, and okay. it also came out on, on PlayStation, but uh, you know, I was thinking it originated on Last Bronx. I was thinking of Last Bronx. Oh, yes, no, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's a Saturn fighter. Mm -hmm. Word, so we're going to go ahead and give a listen to this bass happy track. This is Ninja Warriors for the Super Nintendo, also called Ninja Warriors again, and this track is called just simply City. City.
Hello there. Some of you may remember me from the Ninja Gaiden video game series. Yes, I'm THE Ryu Hayabusa. <laughs> no autographs, please. Anyways, after opening a successful flower shop with my girlfriend Irene, I've decided to spread the Ninja brand into bold new territories. Introducing Pizza Ninja. Pizza Ninja is not just your average pizza place. We are officially the only pizza place that you can hire to make a pizza for you. And your victim. Look, here's a customer right now. Hey there. Welcome to Pizza Ninja. What can I get for you today? Well, I heard you do pizzas and executions. You got it. Though we only kill evildoers and loudmouths. Ain't that the truth? Shut up, Ricky. <clears throat> What'll it be? Well, there's this evil senator who kidnapped my girlfriend. Can you order him a Hawaiian pizza with slow, painful death on the side? And for me, a small calzone. Ricotta, no mozzarella with meatball? Coming right up. See, friends, at Pizza Ninja, we save the girl and satisfy your cravings for greasy, delicious pizza. From deep dish, to thin crust, to murders and infiltrations, we're your number one stop for delicious death. Here's another customer now. Hello there, Sonny. My grandson is in a heap of trouble. He owns a grocery store in the main streets of Metro City. And the Mad Gear Gang is pressuring him for insurance money that he shouldn't have to pay. He also has a craving for deep dish pepperoni. Can you help him? Not a problem. We're all about helping here at Pizza Ninja. We sure are! Shut up, Ricky! Thank you so much. No problem. So come on down to Pizza Ninja to get stuffed and stuff your enemies with pizza and death. Stab him with deliciousness! Shut up, Ricky! You're fired! We're also hiring pizza chefs. Come on down to Pizza Ninja on the corner of Dragon Lane. Goodness gracious, that was Return of the Ninja, released in 2001 for the Game Boy Color, and that was the character stage select music by Kiyoshi Kusatsu and Yoshio Watanabe. Sweet track, huh? You know what's the best part about this game? The music. Yeah, pretty <laughs> the much. The game itself is not that great. The game itself is awful. You know, I wouldn't say awful. I would. If the controls are a little stiff, but it's got kind of like a, a, a Metroid feel to it. I mean, there's individual uh, stages, but there's a little bit of nonlinear exploration where you've got to, yeah. like, you know, get an item to get to the next part in the level, etc., etc. It's but, an uh, open world uh, game in the sense that you're going through, like, trying to find your way to, like, complete your objective. Right. But it's, it's not like Symphony of the Night style game where you've got it's a whole it's area open to you at once. way more simplified than that. But the the big problem that I have with the game is that it's a sequel to Shadow of the Ninja. And, Spiritual and it sequel. plays nothing like Shadow of the Ninja. See, I guess it's by the same developer that made Shadow of the Ninja, Natsume. But the characters are not the same. The storyline is not the same. So... Even though the title is similar, but I don't think it's really actually a sequel because they really don't have anything in common. You know what they should have called all. this game? Ninja Poop. I suppose. 
if the farts sounded totally rad. Well, the music is great. Exactly, that's what yeah. I mean. So. No, I like how the song just keeps going. Like, it keeps building upon itself. And there's so many different, like... Right. That's very melodies that they throw at you, and the stereo effects go from like speaker to speaker. Right, that's really, really cool. cool. You don't see that often in, in in with Japanese composers. You see that more often with like Chris Holzbeck type people. Yeah, who like build and build and build and build like that Jim Power track, the intro track. Uh, but to see a, a Japanese uh, composer build and build and build their track like I really like that that's really cool yeah it's really unique and like we were yeah. talking about with like ja traditional quote-unquote Japanese action soundtracks it's right. all pretty much one tempo and they're very well done but right. it's nowhere near as dynamic as this track was and the, the stupid thing about this track is that it plays during the character select and stage select screen so you start the game it says male ninja female ninja you pick one or the other then there are five stages to select one through five you're probably going to pick the lowest number because most people go in order so you're going to hear like 10 15 seconds of this track yeah. when it's like a minute and 40 seconds for a loop so you're going to miss all that awesome stuff that comes it'd afterwards be, it'd be like booting up mega man 3 and then Hitting start right spamming away the start and spamming the start button, going right to whoever you're going to pick first, just and not listening to any of the yeah, music. Yeah, no appreciation for it. <sighs> I'm pretty sure that Yoshio Watanabe and Kiyoshi Kusatsu were pretty upset when they found out that their most excellent track in the entire soundtrack was put. Who was the characters? Dude, like, really? You're going to do that like, to me? That's supposed to be the intro track. <laughs> <laughs> but these two definitely have a whole bunch of games under their belts. I don't believe you. Tell me all their games. Kusatsu. I'm not going to tell you all their games. There's well, a ton of games. You know, just tell me a couple. You know how it goes. Kusatsu was mostly a sound programmer. He programmed a uh, sound driver for the NES originally. And his sound driver was used in Famicom games like Don Doko Don, uh, Bubble Bobble Part 2 for the NES. And he did um, sound programming for like a bunch of other Japanese games like Master Detective Conan on the Game Boy. He did sound drivers and, and programming for both Game Boy and the NES or Famicom. But he's got compositions on PC Engine, Game Gear, Game Boy, Super Nintendo, Nintendo. It's like if it was a chip-based console that was out in the he was with it. late 80s, early 90s, he, he worked on it. Most of his stuff didn't, didn't really come out in the U.S. He did work on Sagaya for the Game Boy. He also did Tony Hawk's Pro Skater for the Game Boy Color. Weird. And Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for the Game Boy Color. I wonder what those Color. soundtracks sound like, because there's no you know, real music. Like, you know, it's all those tracks on those console releases are all licensed tracks from artists. Yeah, they are, they're not like renditions of the licensed stuff. It's original It's original music. music. Oh, okay. But it's got more of like a hip hop surfer kind of okay. feel. It's very American sounding. Okay. Uh, and it's not bad. I think I remember when I did the rip of it, it had very thick bass and, and drums, which mm. this kind of does too. I mean, that that square wave bass in the song is really, really cool. It sounds cool. like a very cool, like heavy bass guitar. Yoshio Watanabe, he was more of a composer than he was a programmer. And he worked at Act Japan, who was the original developer of this game. And so he did stuff like the Jetsons game. On the Game Boy, okay. the Jetsons Robot Panic, Supernova on the SNES. He also worked on Master Detective Conan for the Game Boy, mm -hmm. and Ultimate Surfing for the Game Boy Color, along with Kusatsu. Mm. His last game was in 2001, and that was Sean Palmer's Pro Snowboarder Radical. for the GBA. So, you know, gameplay aside, this is a soundtrack to look out for. Yeah. I 
couldn't find it anywhere on the internet. I had to rip it from the Game Boy game myself. So I will eventually put this up on my page so you can hear the whole soundtrack as well as get this. Yeah, listen to the soundtrack. Well. Don't play the game. Don't worry Just about play the Shadow game. of the Ninja instead. It's probably a better game. You can't really take it on the go, I mean, unless you want to use an emulator, but if you want to... I think it came out for the 3DS Virtual Console. Did it? Yeah. Cool. And if it did, I should probably pick that up. Neat. Word. So our next game is Shinobi 3 Return of the Ninja Master. Came out for the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive in 1993. Probably some of my favorite graphics on the Genesis. Yeah. This game. No, this is a very really gorgeous phenomenal game. art in this game. Definitely, definitely. A lot of really cool stuff to look out for in the background. Uh, a lot of really great parallax scrolling. This really? was the first Shinobi game I ever played. And I was more of a Ninja Gaiden guy. So since Ninja Gaiden was more Nintendo, at least to me back then, and Shinobi was Sega, I was always like, Psh, Shinobi, Shinobi, whatever. What a rip off. Yeah, God. I actually grew up and got a uh, Sega Genesis when I was in college, when I was working at a game store. And, <laughs> you made uh, it sound like, <laughs> like getting the Genesis with a rite of passage. Yeah. I finally grew up and got a Sega Genesis. Well, I mean, like, I, I stopped being such a stupid Nintendo fanboy. Oh, uh, you're still a stupid a Nintendo fanboy. I don't, am. Don't, don't deny that. I am, but I also have You're at least a, a little more open now to other platforms. Yeah, yeah, like, I really love my Genesis. <laughs> so I picked this game up. This is one of the first games I picked up for my Genesis, uh, aside from Mega Torkin and a couple others. Good choice. Yeah. Another uh, Chris Olsbeck. Yeah, game. and Shinobi 3 was, yeah, the first Shinobi game I played and I really dug it. It was really cool. This track is called Ida Ten, and it plays, it's like one of the first stages. Uh, you are riding a horse and you play as Joe Shinobi or whatever his name is. Joe Masters, I don't know, Ken Masters. I don't know, what was his name? Joe Higashi. Joe Higashi, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Ken Masters, whatever. You play as Ken Masters in this game, and... <laughs> you have to fight off against uh, Ryu. The the evil Ryu Hayabusa. Yes. Wait, what? No. No, wrong Ryu. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You play as Shinobi 3, and... <laughs> <laughs> That's his name. That's his name. They named him Shinobi 3. <laughs> Well, I mean, we had Sanman for uh, Fighting Vipers, yeah, so we San may as well. Sanman. <laughs> Shinobi Sanman. His name is Shinobi 3, and he is the return of the Ninja Master. That is his That is his full title. Oh, goodness gracious. No, so, yeah, you play as Shinobi, Joe Higashi. Higashi. Right. And you're riding a horse, and but there's some really cool parallax scrolling in this level. Absolutely. Like, with the forest in the background, with the trees and stuff, and then you'll see, like, the dudes in the back. My favorite is when you get to the end of the level and you see, like, normally you'll see the, the guys on the horse and they'll be slowly kind of getting to the front of the screen and then they'll come to the, the you know, where you are, the not the background, but the foreground, and you'll be fighting them off or whatever and you could use your horse to, like, jump and then, you know, shoot down yeah. and, like, pretty much trample them. But the best part is when you see the last guy, the boss, and he's just, like, running and then you, you see him just go really fast. You remember that part? Yeah. Yeah, I love that part. I don't know why. That specific part always stuck out to me, and, and I always thought it was really funny. It's because he ran so unnaturally fast. Like in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's like, yeah. He, it's like he hopped in a and dune buggy. And he's throwing buggy. all these spears at your face. Yeah, it's like he hopped in a dune buggy, and he was like, <laughs> see ya, peace, peace. But they're all, they're all hopping out of kites in the background, too. Remember? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So, really cool level, really cool game. 
The music doesn't sound as much like a ninja kind of game, I guess. I don't know, it feels kind uh, of more light and jazzy to me. Yeah, I mean, this song is definitely very more upbeat and it has some rumblings of Japanese, like traditional. Right, yeah, this track in particular, the rest of the right. soundtrack I think fits more with the game than yeah. this one does, even though this is an excellent tune. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of the tracks in this game are very, there's a lot of funk elements to it. There's that one level where it's just a total funk fest, just all bass in the beginning. So there's uh, there's a lot of tracks that are like that yeah. in in this particular game. Even this one kind of has like a galloping rhythm right. section to kind of match the the pace of the horse, which right. is cool. Yeah, yeah, the music really fits with the galloping that you hear as you're going through the level. So if you haven't played the game. Uh, but you're listening to the track in just a moment, definitely go and find this game and play it and play this totally. level. You have to experience, in my opinion, the, the galloping with the track because I, I feel like it completes it. It adds like another level that you're not gonna hear when you're listening to the track with just the music alone. So this was composed by three different people. Hirofumi Murasaki, ah, oh, that rhymes. Morihiko Akiyama and Masayuki Nagao. So for Hirofumi, he has a bunch of different song credits. He actually worked quite a bit on a lot of Saturn stuff. So we did stuff with like Clockwork Knight, Dragon Force, which was, that game is like crazy expensive now. He did Clockwork Knight 2, uh, also did stuff like Sega Worldwide Soccer 97, and uh, he worked on the NFL 2K series, like 2K and 2K1, NBA 2K1, but... He was mostly sound director for those games. Right. Yeah, he only wrote two songs for Shinobi 3, neither of which were Ida Ten. The actual composer of Ida Ten was Morihiko right. Akiyama. Akiyama. Uh, well, he also worked on Toki Going Ape Spit, and as far as song production history, he worked on Columns 3, Revenge of Columns. He was sound production there. Uh, Formula One World Championship Beyond the Limit, and a game called Genshin Densetsu, Quest of Jong Master. <laughs> Jong Master. Jong Master. I am the master of Jong. I'm assuming it's a Mahjong game. I, I haven't done enough research to... I have mastered all of my Jong. Would you like to see my Jong? I have seen your Jong and I'm not impressed. Oh, left you speechless. I don't really know what to say about that. <laughs> I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> you know what? I got nothing. Table flip. Table flip. That's it. <laughs> Table flip. Anyways, Masayuki Nagao also worked uh, for Sega primarily as a sound effects designer, but sometimes he did compose some games. I feel like composing a game today. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> he worked on also Toki Going Ape Spit. Apparently a lot of really talented people worked on Toki Going Ape Spit. I've never played the game personally. We should, I guess. Uh, Sega Master System, he worked on Sonic Chaos, and he also worked on Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. He is credited for Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Sonic Drift, and Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic Drift 2 for the Game Gear, and Space Invaders Evolution Ooh, for the PSP. Ooh, soundtrack. Yeah, and Rainbow Islands Evolution also for the PSP. And nice. ever since 2007, he has remained not working. So he probably moved on doing something <laughs> just else. Living in a cardboard box. Or he's living in a cardboard <laughs> box being unemployed. a ninja. Maybe he, he could be a ninja. That's what I think happens to all these video game composers is once they stop composing for games, they just become ninjas. Just become ninjas. I'm just saying. It makes There'd sense. There'd be a lot of musical ninjas out there. True. When's the last time Kinyo Yamashita wrote us a game soundtrack? Mm, the Metabot series, I think, on the Game Boy Advance. I think she did some DS games. Yeah? Yeah. You know she lives in New Jersey? I do. Did you know that she's a ninja? I did not. 
Now you know. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. She also uh, did programming for Contra, which we learned. We did. Recently. Oh, yeah, we did learn that. Yeah. Programming. Just programming. Just programming. When you beat the game and you're like, oh, what did Kenyo Yamashita do? She programmed. K Yamashita. Programming. Programming. Credits of Contra. Look it up. That's what's up. I'm in a goofy mood today. Spending too much time looking at your Zhang. All right, just listen to this track. It's Shinobi 3. <laughs> Return of the Ninja Master. That is his name, by the way. Uh, Ida 10. And I'm out. I'm going to go look at my Zhang. Do it.
Being a ninja in the 21st century is tough. With night vision goggles, satellite images, and laser-guided missiles, there's no real need for a stealthy assassin anymore. But a ninja's still gotta eat, right? That's why I've started my own business, Mr. Ninja Birthday Parties. That's right! At Mr. Ninja Birthday Parties, Ryu Hayabusa, star of the Ninja Gaiden series, will entertain your kids with acrobatics and smoke bombs. Whoa, I, I didn't order any announcers. What are you doing here? I, I can't afford to pay you for this. Well, fine then. Let's hear from some of our happy clients. Mr. Ninja gave me smoke bombs. Mr. Ninja taught me how to assassinate enemy clan members and get away with it. We, we love, love Mr. Mr. Ninja. Mr. Ninja Birthday Parties LLC takes no responsibility for severed limbs, puncture wounds, or accidental combat training. Hot single moms are eligible for the after party package. Please send a photo and a bank account statement to apply. Offer not valid in Fairfield County. Call today! I told you, no announcers. Don't make me ninja slice you. <laughs> but I can't stop. <laughs> Call 1-800-RYU-PARTY today. That's 1-800-RYU-PARTY. Ninja, out. Mr. Ninja is the best! Welcome back. That was Ninja Gaiden. And that was for the Sega Master System. That game came out in 1992, and that only came out in Europe and Japan. Never came out in the States. Very, very overlooked game. Even yes. in Europe, where it was released, it was a very limited run, from what I understand. Very true, yes. There are very limited copies. I just so happen to have a copy. That's cool. Yeah. And that song was called Escape in a Forest. Just a forest. Just a forest. Any old forest. Yeah, you know. Ryu's just picking a forest to escape from. <laughs> So you're still playing as Ryu Hayabusa in this game. I wanted to pick a Ninja Gaiden game that didn't really get showcased that often. And I think this is one game that people really don't talk about because it was made by Sega. And it wasn't, I mean, I guess it, you could say it was licensed by Tecmo, but it never actually came out by Tecmo. So right. it came out, Sega published it, they developed it, they did the whole nine yards and basically just licensed the character. Technically, I believe this story is not canon in the Ninja Gaiden universe. So it's kind of cheesy. Say, yeah. Like big sumo wrestlers, and yeah. it's like there's a lot of stuff in here that's kind of less serious, right. I guess, than it's more cartoony yeah. than no. the NES series of games, and especially going forward, the, you know, like the Xbox. Oh, yeah. The, the, the way more serious. Yeah, more current gen Definitely. series of games. Definitely. But this was a nice little sidestep. It's a nice little side story in the series. The music isn't as good as the Nintendo versions, and I think part of the reason for that is because of the limitations of hardware. I, I just think that. And we talked about this during the break, the Sega Master System just didn't have the ability to push out really awesome sounding There's some sounds. good stuff and there's some bad stuff. Yeah, yeah um, agreed. You know, the, the difference I think is because in, in Japan, the Mark III, which is what they call the, you know, the Sega Master System in Japan, had a built-in FM synthesizer right. in it, which they removed for the European and the US markets. So there are some very good FM oriented soundtracks for the Mark III that came out in Japan, but maybe they just didn't put as much effort into the non-FM right. stuff. I don't know, just a theory I have, but yeah. this just sounds really kind of like tinny and everything's Very in a tinny. high range. There's no real low end to it. Right. Like, you know, if you play it on laptop speakers, it almost like kind of hurts your ears. Right, no, I agree. I think the composition itself is really good. Yes. But I think everything just kind of mixes and merges together. I'd like to hear an arrangement of yeah. this 
track done maybe, with more modern instruments. Yeah, maybe like uh, if they put it out on like Game Boy or like Nintendo, like if somebody arranged it with that sound style, I think it would work really well. Yeah, or I'm an even more like a modern arrangement. Yeah, that's true. For the, you know, Jaguar. Oh, God. <laughs> so the, this song takes place in the first level where you're basically going through a forest. Uh, one thing I will say is the graphics are really good in this yes, game. Yes, and the gameplay is very good. Yeah, too. the biggest problem I have with the game is when you're transitioning from screen to screen, there is no real transition, kind of. Yeah. So it's not like Mega Man where like the screen has to scroll or It acts like Mega Man, but doesn't have that screen scrolling in right. between the two scenes. So you'll jump to the next screen and potentially walk right into a pit or walk right into an enemy. But it's memorization, dude. That's what Ninja Gaiden's all about, True you know? True story. So you gotta so. know where you're gonna enter that next screen. You gotta know where you're gonna go before you go there. Right, just like a ninja. You don't know. Just like a ninja. Oh, true. Ryu Hayabusa is going to know where he's going to go. That's right. I mean, how else is he going to know where to deliver pizzas? That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't need no GPS. He does not. He never does. Correct. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much all I got to say about Ninja Gaiden for the Master System. Cool. How far have you gotten through the game? Maybe the third level. Yeah. Yeah. Not Me far. too. It gets yeah. tough after a while. It does. It's a really hard game. Yeah. I mean, the bosses aren't that hard from what I remember. I just remember the levels themselves being very Yes, difficult. because there's a lot of one-hit kills. Right. You do have a pretty large energy bar, but you hit the spikes and you're done. You're dead. You know? Yeah. It's unfortunate, true. especially when you've got those, like you said, level transitions where you fall, if you're, you know, transitioning from one screen to another mm -hmm. downward and you're in the wrong spot, boom. Right. Our minds be kind of like Flashman stage in Mega Man 2 with the lasers that come out. If you're, yeah. not, if you're not coming in the right direction as you go down the screen, you're screwed. Yeah, the NES versions of Ninja Gaiden, I would say, do a better job of not only transitioning you from screen to screen, but also giving you, I guess you could say, like, a way to strategize. It gives you that kind of, like, split-second heads-up. Yeah, like, and most, most of the screens will take you through each level, like, you'll get to a screen, and you'll be doing quite a bit of walking or running in, in this case, or sprinting. I don't know what you want to call it. Jogging. Ninja jogging. Yeah, ninja jogging. By the time you get to that enemy, you'll have either already approached him in a previous screen or like, you know, you dying, like if you respawn or whatever. So it's just kind of like, okay, so I know that guy's going to be there, so I got to do this, so I got to do that. So you're kind of like going back and forth. So, but yeah, I don't know. The, I mean, the music, like I said, it's, it's, it's a good track. I just think that it's not well designed on the Master System. As far as the composer, Takashi Horiguchi is the composer on this track. So we worked on a pretty fair list of a bunch of different games. We worked on Alien Syndrome, the Game Gear port. Worked on a lot of Master System stuff. Worked on Master of Darkness, which came out on the Master System as well. That game also is one of the more, I guess you could say, obscure Master System games that a lot of people are just slowly starting to come around to. It's a Castlevania clone, really cool game with that, and that also had a really good soundtrack too. Worked on a couple other games, mostly for the Game Gear and the Super Nintendo, World Cup Soccer for the Game Gear, a bunch of Kamen Rider games for the Famicom, or Super Famicom, a game called Kenyu Densetsu Yaiba for the Game Boy and the Super Famicom, Tsukiko Mori on the Super Famicom, and then Arabian Nights on the Super Nintendo, which I do not believe is a port of the Sega arcade game. No, it's an RPG. Right, okay. So there you have it. So that is Takahashi Horiguchi's profile as far as what he has done. 
probably best known for Ninja Gaiden and Master of Darkness, I would say, as far as those two go. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so too. Word. Unless you're a Kamen Rider fan. Yes. Yeah. In <laughs> which case, that's off to you. <laughs> so, next game that we're going to talk about, I know you're not so familiar with it, but Tenchu, Wrath of Heaven. And this is for the PS2. This game came out in 2003. And the song that we're going to be playing is simply called Ichigoya's Estate. Correct. Yes. Now, it has been a really long time since I played this game, but I always remembered the soundtrack. And I played you the track that we're about to listen to, and you seem to be digging it. What were your thoughts on it? It's good. Yeah. I discovered recently that I really like with the Bushido Blade soundtrack, mm -hmm. or the Bushido Blade 2 soundtrack, that I really kind of enjoy that. Traditional Japanese music meets modern instrumentation right. kind of aesthetic. And this one's got a really cool kind of hip-hop breakbeat background, and mm -hmm. but it incorporates a lot of Asian traditional music right. as well. So it's, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I thought you would dig this track. That's actually specifically why I picked it. I was like, you know what, Ed's gonna dig this. Oh, I got a feeling. Thanks. <laughs> so it was composed by Noriyuki Asakura. And as far as what he has done, he's done a lot of work on anime soundtracks, actually, like for the Rooney Kenshin series. And he also did Tenshu and Way of the Samurai. So he's, he's pretty much known exactly for that specific method of combining traditional Japanese music with elements of various different other types of music, like uh, more modern stuff like rock and jazz and um, other types of world music as well. So really like cool that guy. stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, he does some really cool stuff. He actually apparently really wants to work in major Hollywood motion pictures as far as like developing sound and music for movies. So I'm sure he wants to work on like a lot of the uh, more like, you know, House of Flying Daggers, like those type of movies I think he would be perfect for. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. A lot of the soundtrack was very ambient yeah. too, I noticed. That's true. Which, I mean, makes sense because the game's kind of almost like Ninja Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, a little bit. Thief, kind of a very stealthy sneaking up behind dudes. and Yeah. I mean, the original Tenchu games, like Tenchu 1 and Tenchu 2, were very strict when it came to you being a ninja. Like, you really had to actually be a ninja, whereas I kind of feel like... Actually? In, so you have yeah. to dress up in the... Yeah, the, you to, yeah no, the game makes sure that you dress up like a ninja, otherwise <laughs> you're totally boned. But, yeah, with this game, with uh, Wrath of Heaven, they kind of changed the direction of the series a little bit, and I feel like they made it a little bit more accessible for people, and they made it a little bit more Hollywood, so there was a lot more cutscenes and a lot more voice acting and stuff like that, and I just, I think they did everything they could to kind of bring this to a modern era. And I think they did a really good job with this particular game. There was also another sequel after this that came out called uh, Tenchu Fatal Shadows. You play as, in, in Wrath of Heaven, you play as two different, or actually three different ninjas. And so there's Ricky Maru, which is like the main hero of the game, I guess you could say. He's just like this short, white-haired ninja and is he short or is his hair short? His hair is I'm short. Trying to figure out which way you're yeah, going. Yeah, no, I know. It's kind of hard to explain because <laughs> he's not he's short. He's got short white hair. He's got short white hair and he's got like a really angry face. I mean, like if you look at a ninja and like you look at like Ryu Hayabusa or you look at, you know, Joe Higashi or whatever, they, they look kind of mean-ish, you know, on like the cover art and everything. But man, like this dude looks pissed. He just looks <laughs> super angry and like in most parts of the game. And then there's a female ninja named Ayami. Which, and, like, does every single girl in, Jap in, in Japan, is their name Ayami? Because there seems to be an Ayami in every single yeah, I know. game. Yeah, either that or they just call him Kunoichi. Maybe it's just a very, not even just ninja games, but yeah. isn't, there's an Ayami in, in uh, Dead or Alive, isn't there? Uh, there's an Ayame. 
Yeah, her yeah. name ends in E. This, I think, her, her name ends in I. No, oh, no, it does. It ends in ends E. Ends in E. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's a fairly common female name in Japan, so I think that has a lot to do with it. I guess. There's like a name that pops up all over the place. But anyway, we're digressing. Yeah. And then there's a third ninja, is, is there not? Teshu. 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 That's right. I think That's he's... why you usually use him if you've got a cold. Uh, yeah. Cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you pass me a Teshu? Wah, wah. <laughs> he is, if I recall, a bigger guy. I don't know. I could be wrong. Like I said, I haven't played the game in a really long time. But game's really cool. Like I said before, it's, it's exactly like you explained. Metal Gear, but with... Ninjas. Ninjas, yes. So you're going around sneaking. It's all about being sneaky and hiding in the shadows. And there's like stuff that you can do to like distract enemies. And they'll like see your footprints and you can, you have to run. So like you'll jump up on the top of a roof or whatever and, and hide out on the roof. And uh, so it's really cool. It's, it's a very fun game, but it is definitely a game that you need to have patience when you're playing it. So do, I'll not, check it leave, out. do not leave your patience at home. If you liked Metal Gear, you will like Tenchu if you like ninjas. And really, who doesn't like ninjas? Ninja victims. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Be probably the only people who don't like ninjas. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, I like ninjas. Are you a victim of a ninja? I hope not. Well, there you go. I don't think there's a ninja hunting me right now. Hope not. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So, that's pretty much all I got to say about Tenchi Wrath of Heaven. I think we should just go ahead and listen to the tracks. It's really cool, it's really funky. As far as the instrumentation goes, it's all pretty much rock-oriented as far as like the actual instruments. I mean, there's a guitar in there that's, that's playing notes, but it's, it's very... It's not like heavy. It's not. It's more like jazz guitar. Yeah. I guess I could say. It's kind of sneaky. Yeah. It's not as ambient as the rest of the stuff that's on the soundtrack. Yeah. This one's a little bit more bouncy. It's got a really cool like bass line that just kind of like bounces up and down. And you know you're gonna be listening to this track. And like we said before, Ed was bobbing his head while he was listening to the track. And then the, I stopped playing the track, and he was still bobbing his head. <laughs> so it's it's gonna be one of those tracks where you're gonna listen to it. And I'm bobbing my head right now, telling you just about it. About I got it. the beat in my head. So it's very catchy, and you're going to have a, lot, a really hard time getting this out of your head. So again, this is Tenchu, Wrath of Heaven, from 2003 on the PS2. This is Ichigoya's Estate. Enjoy!
Why don't you welcome us back, ninja, or samurai, Ed? Samurai? That's what I said. Ed. Yes. Yeah. yeah, well, I almost said ninja, but you have to be weird and different and be a samurai. Welcome back. That was from <laughs> Ninja Blade on the Xbox 360 release in 2009. That was called Speed Chase. Speedy. Speedy Chasey. Speedy Chasey. Pretty frenetic track. Kind of starts off really orchestral. Yeah, And very it kind of gets very staccato and then kind of transitions into a smoother electronic part and those uh, like female vocals, which you've just told me you dislike very much. That killed the song for me, the I Arabian know, I thought it adds to the song. I don't know if it's Arabian, but I mean, it's I was just... like, uh, this sounds like Prince of Persia. No, pass. But you like Prince of Persia. I love Prince of Persia. It's not a ninja game, though. No. If I was playing Prince of Persia, this would have been awesome. Well, this isn't your traditional ninja game. This game actually got a lot of flack when it was released because of the quick time events. That's right, because a lot of the game was built around those quick time events with the button press. It's not a lot of the game. I it mean, you, you... I only played the demos. You fight, it's like a traditional action game where, you know, you're using combos and parries and defense and special moves and ninja magic and... It's got really excellent graphics. I was really impressed with this game. It looks gorgeous. It does. I don't know. The quick time events are how you defeat the bosses. So you like you wear them down and then when they're ready for defeat, you know, you you go up to them and push a particular button and then it starts a quick time sequence. Right. And the quick time sequences are always like completely over the top finishing moves where like you know, the, the the ninja will like take a, a a wrecking ball off of a crane and like as it's flying through the air, like kick it with its feet and like throw it into the, like the, the big bad guy. And it's really cool to watch and it's something that you really can't do while you're physically playing the game. So the quick time just kind of works. But I like guess, you don't that. you don't kick wrecking balls into giant monsters. I try not to. No. I tend to when you play the games. I'm a samurai, so oh, I, that's I like true. to look people in the eye when I destroy them. So. Oh, okay. So you don't kick not giant wrecking, wrecking balls. balls in the eye because it's, it's just because you're not looking at them. Right. Right. The wrecking ball would be in my way of right. them in the eye. That's true. Like, and that would not order. be honorable. Yes. Okay. Hey! Okay, then. So anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm not as much of a detractor from QuickTime events as a lot of other people are. I kind of find them fun. Depends if it's, if it's an overuse of them I can have a problem with them if, if it's if it's placed in the right times I, I don't have a problem with them I like it because it kind of gives you a little interaction and story at the same time I'm a huge fan of, of story and dialogue in games and there are a lot of people out there like like my son Eddie for instance will skip through dialogue like even if he hasn't played the game before and I'm like what are you doing I want to like learn the story behind right. this whole thing and so he's the kind of person that doesn't like quick time events because it's like forcing him to watch the stuff that he just wants to get into the gameplay right so for me where I kind of almost treat games like books or movies the story means much more to me sometimes than the gameplay does mm-hmm. um, I just I kind of like those quick time events because it gives you interaction while you're while you're watching it but anyways the game was really good. I don't think it got the recognition that it deserved. It's really, really difficult, especially towards the end. I um, played this back in 2009 when it was brand new, and my buddy and I would kind of like take turns playing the game. And the last boss, I think we probably took him on probably 20 or 30 times before we finally beat him. And then we weren't even playing on hard, we were just playing on normal mode. I don't know, it was fun. The music's got a nice blend of like Asian and orchestra and electronic and, and there's a, a lot of like the action sequences have like dance beats with like metal or rock guitar over it. So it's got a lot of really good stuff in the soundtrack. Yeah. It was composed by Norihiko Hibino, Yoshitaka Suzuki, Takahiro Izutani, 
Takahide Ayuzawa, and I'm not gonna individually get into every single one of them because there's a lot of composers, but for the most part, it seems they've worked mostly on the Metal Gear Solid series. Okay. A couple of them have worked on Final Fantasy. You know, really big AAA titles, Yakuza, Otomedia's G, Bayonetta, Ace Combat. So a lot of them just worked on between Sega and Microsoft Studios Namco, and Namco right. and Konami and just all over the place on all the big, the big, uh, the big AAA companies. Right. So there are a lot of variations in the soundtrack because of those four composers. So you'll hear a lot of the very cinematic orchestra stuff. You'll hear a lot of the, you know, dance rock techno style stuff. And then there's some more like industrial electronic stuff in there too. So it's hmm. pretty varied. The official soundtrack is available. It's on two CDs. There's a lot of music oh, wow. in the game, so you can you can get it there. It might be one of the reasons why the game has such a large amount of variety too in the soundtrack because you've got four four people, right. four brains, four ideas. They're like, you know, hey, they may just be passing these songs back and forth, like what elements can you add, what elements can this other person add. Yeah, so. and well, there's a lot of different, because it's so story-oriented, there's a lot of different kinds of feels throughout the game. So you've got, you know, all like, the feels. all those feels, all those ninja feels. Yes. You know, just standing around and talking scenes, but you've got really hard action scenes and chase scenes. So it just kind of, just like an action movie, it goes through a lot of different kinds of a lot of different kinds of emotion as you go through the game. What I thought was funny is that your handler's name is Michael Wilson. I get it. Well, you're Michael, and my last name is Wilson. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. And he was voiced by John DiMaggio, who's Bender in Futurama. Right. Which is really funny, because the next game we're going into, the ninja's voiced, is from Billy West, who was Fry in Futurama. That's right. Kind of a weird coincidence. I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot that, that he had a voice. Yeah, so the next game we're going to talk about is iNinja which was my pick. I really like this game. It is a really fun game. I got it on the GameCube. It came out for the PS2, the GameCube, the Xbox, and the PC back in 2003. And this was an original game that came out. It was a game where you play as this ninja. Was his name I? I guess his name is I Ninja. I don't really remember. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I do remember is this game was kind of a, a strange mix of like hack and slash meets Tony Hawk meets like Ratchet and Clank, you know, or like Banjo Kazooie, like those 3D platformer type games where you're going from platform to platform. There's a lot of grinding where you're like grinding on rails, which I loved. I, I don't know why I loved it so much. Maybe because that's my favorite thing to do in Tony Hawk is just to grind on the rails and then jump to the other uh, mm. rail and grind on that one. And, th and that was kind of a big part of me enjoying iNinja is just grinding on these rails. And so it's just a lot of fun. It's it's a pretty deep adventure. It goes, you know, pretty deep. I mean, it's a, it's a long game. So there were three composers on this track, or really the soundtrack. Nick Arundel, Mark Bandola, and Rob Lord. Nick Arundel is very well known, especially nowadays. He got a ton of games under his belt, but mainly the Batman Arkham Asylum, Batman Arkham City, Bat Batman Arkham Knight. He also did uh, Shadow Man's Second Coming. So he's done quite a bit of work on AAA titles as of recently, fairly recent. Mark Bandola, he has worked on the Discworld series. He did Discworld, Discworld 2, Mortality Bites, and Discworld Noir. Those were fun games. What were those games? Were they like a point-and-click adventure games. Point-and-click? Okay, okay. Yeah, so he did those in the 90s. Uh, he did a game called Screamball as well. Mostly worked on PC, so 
you know, probably worked on the conversion or helped with the conversion to PC. Yeah. Rob Lord also worked on the Discworld series, Discworld 1 and 2, along with Discworld Noir, and he also worked on Just Cause, uh, which was a fairly recent game. Wipeout, he worked on the Wipeout game, the first one, I believe. Toka Race Driver, and he's actually releases his own Krautrock influenced music under the name Ausgang. It's like AUS for Australia, and then the word gang, AUS, Ausgang. And he's also a contributing member of various different Mute Records compilations. So he does a lot of cool things with music. He also does stuff for Hollywood as well. He worked on a Pumpkinhead, one, uh, some of the Pumpkinhead movies, <laughs> and worked on a children's drama series called Dino Sapien. So he's kind of all over the place. He's written songs for Michael Jackson, toured with him. Uh, he wrote the song, You're Not Mine which is a Michael Jackson track, and uh, was in a couple different bands that were signed to EMI and Rough Trade. So yeah, he's kind of a jack of all trades when it comes wow, to music. Yeah. He's done music for Hollywood, he's done music for games, he's done music for freaking Michael Jackson of all people. Quite a resume. Yeah, no, definitely. So, And I'm, it's crazy, because I was looking up the names for this, and I saw his name and I was like, I know this name, like I've heard this name before. And when I looked it up and researched it, I was like, oh wow, that's pretty interesting. Neat. So as far as the track itself, it's, Kind of all over the place. It's rock, it's funk, it's hip hop. Some record scratches. Yeah, there's some really cool record scratching that I really like. It feels very generic at, at parts, but I don't know, I just, I really enjoyed the track. I remember the theme with the lead synth, this, it's got this like wispy kind of lead synth, this melody that kind of carries over from level to level as you're going through the game. And that lead synth kind of always follows you throughout the game. Games that have motifs, I mean, those are right. just commonplace. Like Earthbound yeah. is definitely one of those games where, right. and, and Mother 3, where they have the same themes or, or melodies that repeat throughout the game, right. but it, using different styles depending on, right. on where you find them. Marland 2 is a really good example. Yep. Same song, basically throughout the entire game, just kind of... Same song, different level. Yeah, same song, <laughs> different level. Same song, but just... They just write it a little bit different or change the style, add a little bit of a hip hop beat to it. So this song kind of has that going for it. So it's a really cool song. The song is called Rocket Factory. I figure we'll go ahead and listen to it because we've talked it up quite a bit. Right on. All right, so let's listen to iNinja. Again, this game came out in 2003, came out for all the systems pretty much. There was a Game Boy Advance port, but it was canceled. And this song is called Rocket Factory.
welcome back. That was a track from Nintendo Land, and that was the Takamaru's Ninja Castle subgame. That was the boss battle from the composer Ryo Nagamatsu. And that was based on the soundtrack from a Famicom Disk System only game called Nazo no Muramase Joe which translates to the mystery of Muramase Castle. That was originally composed by Koji Kondo. It was one right. of his first compositions. That's right. I just, this is the song that plays at the end of the sub-game, and it's kind of like an on-rails shooter, I guess you could yeah. call it. You hold your gamepad on the Wii U sideways, and you kind of flick your finger across the screen to throw ninja stars at the screen to hit these little ninjas that are coming to attack you. And at the end of the game, there's this gigantic kind of like demon shrine thing Thing that you have to wear down with like hundreds and hundreds of shurikens. So the, the music starts kind of slow and like it was doot 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 doot. Yeah. And every single one of those doot 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 doot, like a, a, a differently colored ninja pops up and then all the differently colored ninjas kind of like combine Voltron style and yeah, yeah. into this big statue. <laughs> and then the statue comes to life and starts throwing bombs and because each colored ninja throws a different thing at you. So the statue throws all the different things that those colored ninjas throw. So it's a cool way to like bring all the, the whole game together. Right, the, like all the, the elements stage. of the game. Yeah. yeah, and then it kind of goes into this really cool game guitar part with these chanting vocals and then the, the flute and the guitar kind of match the same melody together. It's right. just really well done. Yeah, this is the best way to bring traditional Japanese like ninja or samurai type style music or just really overall just traditional Japanese music into a modern era. You know, you've got the flute and you've got the more Japanese style drums and then you've got the guitar, which is of course a more modern sound, so you're kind of combining those two, and it just it really, really works in this track. Yeah, definitely. Nagamatsu, uh, I think we've talked about him in the past. He only really started composing music around 2006, but he's strictly a Nintendo dude. He started with We Play and Big Brain Academy, um, which were two, I guess, they were Nintendo, but they weren't like super, super big Nintendo games. Right. And I guess he got a lot of recognition for that because then he jumped up to Mario Kart Wii, Wii Sports Resort, New Super Mario Brothers Wii, he did uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Nintendo Land, and then uh, Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds. I think he was the sole composer That's on right. the game, if I remember. That's right. And then, uh, I mean, and, aside from the reimaginings of the original Koji Kondo well, of course, Link to the Past, him, right. But yeah. Sure and then worked on Mario Kart 8 in 2014. Mm -hmm. And he was a uh, quality assurance for Super Smash Brothers Brawl, which is an interesting title. I don't he know. didn't work on a track for Brawl? Maybe that's the equivalent of working in the mailroom at Nintendo. Right, yeah. For, <laughs> if you didn't work on Brawl or, or Smash Brothers Wii U, then who I are you, really? I don't know. Interesting. You're a, you're a putz. Well, maybe he was so busy working on Mario Kart 8 and Link Between Worlds that he just didn't have any time to give to Smash maybe. Brothers Brawl because his stuff is phenomenal. Yeah, no. He's, he's very talented, does some great tracks, really good stuff here. I, I will say that this is one of the games that when they showed this off at E3, I was hooked. Mm. And I was like, I gotta get a Wii U. I was like, that is so cool. Yeah. Like that in the golf game, that they never ended up doing, right. <laughs> right? The one where you put it on the ground and you go, whoop, yeah. and, and hit the ball in the sand and then it's supposed to shoot off or whatever. And I was like, that is so cool. Like that that's kind of like why I bought the system that and, and the fact that you could, like I could finally let my girlfriend watch stuff on the 360, like on Netflix or watch cable. And I could be, I could plug some headphones in and yeah, just- Yeah, off TV play off the way TV, to go. Like that is, 
the selling point of the system and one of the best parts that Nintendo, like, I don't know why they don't advertise more for it. Because, I, can't, I can't wait because uh, yeah. currently my bathroom is too far away from my Wii U mm -hmm. to, like, be able to play the Wii U, like, from the bathroom. Right. But we're going to start finishing part of our basement downstairs, like, right next to where my Wii U is and put okay. another bathroom down there. Oh, snap. So pretty soon, man. Hyrule Warriors. Off, off screen. On the John. It's going right. to be great. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll know not to come over and play it with any of your controllers. <laughs> bring my own controllers. It's only the gamepad. Be like, I'm good. I'll just bring my own. Uh, I don't want your crappy controllers. Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Nintendo Land is full of lots of awesome games. I love the Metroid obviously, game too. Yeah, Metroid obviously Blast. we chose this one because it's a ninja game within yes. the within the large game. But the uh, the Metroid game has a nice first person shooter, and then third person, third person. ship kind of like right. shooting at each other or one against many yep. or cooperative. The Octopus and, game is a lot of fun. Yeah, and then the Mario Chase game yep. as well. So there's tons of good stuff on that. I like any game that you can see your own face in the screen in those mini yes, games. Yes, yes. Especially is, in the... Uh, because it's so distracting, but it's so much fun because you're like, I want to look at myself. Yeah. Wait, I don't want to look at myself. Oh, I'm going to look at myself. No, I'm uh, not going to look at myself. Oh, I died. <laughs> the yeah. F-Zero game is like that too. If yeah. you take your eyes off the screen for one second in F-Zero, oh, you're, it's brutal. you're done. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, it's, uh, Nintendo Land was a lot of fun. The, the, I think the biggest problem that I have with the Nintendo Land is uh, it's one of those games that once you play it a couple times, you're like, eh. It's a good party game. Yeah. Like that Luigi game, the Luigi's Mansion game, is a ton of fun to play with like all your friends. Totally. It's very similar to Pac-Man Versus. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of similar. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those games where you wish that maybe they would make a sequel or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, it's probably too late for DLC for that game, but... Yeah. Uh, I just didn't really get the point of the characters walking around. I kind of like wish that if there were people that were actually playing the game, you could like walk up to somebody and be like, hey, what are you playing? Yeah. And then they'd be like, oh, I'm playing this. And you'd be like, hey, let's go play together. Right, right. To make it like a lobby. That's, yeah. Maybe that like, was the original That's thing, what I think but the plan was. Nintendo's uh, online play service was not really built out very well. It never has much. been. Yeah. That, that's the thing about Nintendo is there. And I'm okay with that because I've always, for the most part, played games by myself. Unless I have like a party and I have friends over, then I'll play multiplayer yeah. games like but Smash Brothers. It would just Brothers be nice to be able to Marvel have that Marvel. option if it were. Right. And I think it's a lot of what just what detracts people from playing on the Wii U is that right. if they want to do online play, you know, PS4 and Xbox One, it's just it so much totally more user-friendly on I those agree. systems. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah, well, maybe Nintendo will smarten up and actually somehow hire yeah, some more Yeah, it costs Western. money, too. You know, eh. Having that kind of service, you true. know, really, that's a lot of bandwidth and a lot of server space, so... True, true. But there's also, like, an element of multiplayer, too, where you're just kind of like... You know, where do you go from here once the servers are down? Because, I mean, like, Nintendo shut their service down. Do you remember when Xbox shut their service down for the original Xbox? And people were like, no, I still play Halo 2. And they were like, sorry. Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to be able to make that stuff last. It's not like the old NES and Super NES games where you're like, hey, want to play Street Fighter? Games Come stay 100% functional. Yeah, 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 correct. So our next game is from a little guy named Goemon. Yeah. And he is I a, picked two Nintendo games in a row. Yeah. What's wrong with this? This is like unheard of okay. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a fever or something? I feel okay. I have ninja fever. You have ninja fever. <laughs> hey -oh. So this one is Goemon's Great Adventure, released by Konami in 1998, and it was composed by Shigeru Araki, Yasumasa Kirigawa, Hirotaka Kurita, Yosuke Kato, Nobuyuki Akena. And Nobuyuki Akena. And, uh, dude, there is, I think, if I remember correctly, there's 176 or 78 tracks in this game. Yeah. And it's over four hours of music. That's crazy. And it's all 
freaking phenomenal stuff. Yeah, Konami, man. Goemon's Great Adventure, the whole Goemon Legend of the Mystical Ninja series has always had phenomenal music. Yeah, And this really is, fun is like, when we decided to do a ninja episode, I was like, great, I'm gonna pick all these Goemon games, but I'm like, I don't wanna fill the entire episode with Goemon. So this is like, I don't know, it's a really, really excellent track, and it's like a needle in a haystack. Like, picking a game from the Goemon series was extremely difficult. Oh yeah, I can it's imagine. Appeared on so many different, different systems. systems, yeah. I mean, even the SNES soundtrack oh, is out it. of this world. It's great. So, really fun game. Most of the composers that worked on this game pretty much stuck with Konami throughout the years. Like Akena has done Castlevania Harmony of Despair. He did a lot of sound design for International Superstar Soccer. He did Biker Mice from Mars. And the two Gunbari Goemon games that came out in 93 and 94, which were Gunbari Goemon 2 and 3. Right. Yosuke Kato was only responsible for working on Hybrid Heaven and then this oh. game. Okay, okay. Kurita worked on International Superstar Soccer and this game. Kichigawa did arrangements for Tatsunoko vs. Capcom, cool. Ultimate All-Stars. Worked on a lot of Beat Mania stuff, Beat Mania 2, DX 7th and 8th styles. Worked on the ESPN International Winter Sports and International Track and Field games. Mm -hmm. Did sound design for International Superstar Soccer. And was a composer for the Mystical Ninja starring Goemon with the SNES. That was original. the first game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Shigeru Araki, mostly production, produced International Superstar Soccer 3, but then also did audio for Metal Gear Solid 2, Goemon's Great Adventures, mm -hmm. obviously. Co-composed Mystical Ninja starring Goemon with Kitagawa, right. and then did the ESPN game. So they all kind of like worked together on the Beat Mania, the ESPN, and a lot of these um, like soccer games that Konami loves to right. put out and yeah. doesn't put out in America at all. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, they all have excellent music. So mm -hmm. Araki worked in the programming engineering department for Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance as part of the skateboarding unit. Oh yeah, well Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance had a, you ever hear of Evolution? It's a skateboarding game that Konami came out with a while okay. back. And they, if I recall, they added a bunch of Konami characters in as little like hidden gems and secret characters. Oh. One of them was Solid Snake. And I think they took Solid Snake and put him in like a skateboarding thing in, in Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance. Oh. And so it's kind of like one of those bonus unlockable things that you can unlock in the game. Very interesting. Yes. So, so that is why. Shigeru Araki for that, that one. Yes. Very neat. Yeah, the Goemon series really doesn't get the love that it deserves. I mean, it not does in the, from, Not in the U.S. Not in it's the U.S. It's well-loved in it's Japan. very well-loved in Japan, but the problem is is that it Konami now is a completely different company than they were 10 years ago. And the thought of them releasing a Gambare Goemon, Goemon game outside of the United States is completely unheard of. Yeah. The game just doesn't sell here. And they tried and tried and tried, and... I think Legend of the Mystical Ninja probably sold the best for the original Super Nintendo version, yeah. just because I think Nintendo helped promote it, but those N64 games did not sell well. It's a very, very Japanese it is. game. It you is. Know, it takes place Japanese. in the Edo period of Japan. Yeah. A lot of the humor is very, very Japanese. anime, very culturally relevant right. to them and not to us. Right. Anime fans and you know people that obviously are fans of Japanese culture yeah, in the U.S. Music. will yeah, get yeah. the humor or, or be able to at least relate to the humor. Right. But the mainstream gaming audience is no. fly right over their head. I just think that gaming has changed quite a bit, and I think that there's just no room for Goemon in the United States anymore, which is a real shame because the, the Goemon games have always been really good. Yeah. Um, there's 
just so much untapped potential there to bring new Goemon titles over and it's just not happening. And so we leave it up to the hackers and the translators to put out patches that will enable English-speaking people to play Japanese games. It's true. And it does happen a lot. It does. It doesn't happen with every game, but a lot of the good games do, you know, we're fortunately able to, to, to do stuff like that to be able to play games that haven't come out over here in English. I think the last game, Goemon game that came out was for the PSP, wasn't it? Or for the, maybe, the, I know they came out with one for the PS1 and the PS2, but again, only in Japan. But I'm almost positive that the last Goemon game that came out as part of the Legend of the Mystical Ninja series was on the PSP. It's a shame. Yeah, I know. Maybe one day we'll see another one. Who knows? Until then, take a listen to Taking Care of the Horses, which does not play while you're taking care of any horses. I don't know why they call it that. But from Going On's Great Adventure. Maybe they're ninja horses. Uh, you do. There are like horses you can ride on in the game. But they're invisible. You don't really take care of them. But invisible they're... horses? Yeah, they're ninjas. Oh, ninja horses. No, they're not ninja horses. Mm. Oh well. I don't know. Let's play the song. I'm gonna go take care of some horses now. It's really good. Enjoy.
Alright, welcome back. That was our last track of the Ninjatastic episode, Zool Ninja of the Nth Dimension. And that came out on the Amiga, or this is the Amiga version. It did come out on some other stuff. Came out on the SNES and the Genesis, Genesis as well. Genesis, that's correct. Came out in 1993, and this was a track called Sonic Basher. I don't know if they were trying to say that he bashes Sonic the Hedgehog. Totally were. Yeah? Zool so. was released as a competitor directly to Sonic the Hedgehog. Ah. So. Zool the dude with Tood. Yeah. And he was a ninja of yeah. the dimension. Needless to say that uh, Zool didn't really win out in the Zool versus Sonic battle. What was the thing that... I don't think... Well, hold up. I don't think Sonic won in the Sonic battle. Well, he beat Zool in terms of sales numbers. I well, believe. yeah, but I think... I think if Zool came back, I think he'd be able to beat Sonic at this point. Yeah, I think if your mom came back, he could, he could beat Sonic at this I point. I think if your face came back... Could beat Zool and Sonic twice, once with a hat on. There is no Vigo, there is only Zool. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't Zool the game that had the licensing or the advertisements? Chupa Chups. Chupa Chups. That was Zool 2 on the. We played that on the Jaguar when we had our, <laughs> That's our right. Jaguar party. Oh my god, that was so ridiculous. It, like, Chupa Chups advertisement signs were like everywhere. Plastered over that entire Plastered. game. I mean, they really must have gotten paid a pretty penny. They probably, what probably happened is they were making the game and they were like, crap, we ran out of funding. Who could we get? Yeah. Who could we get to, to advertise in this game? And they were like, Chupa Chups. Chupa Chups. Absolutely. It's like the whole Reebok thing all over again. Oh, for boy. Tracks. Yes. Big Day Out or whatever the heck that was called. Billy's Big Day Billy's Out? Billy's Big Day Out. That's Billy's Big Day Out. Tell me about Patrick Phelan. Well, we've already talked about him in the past, but mainly... No, tell me about his likes and dislikes. I want to know his favorite colors. Red. I want to... I want to... His favorite he likes, colors. He likes mushroom on okay. his pizza. Okay. 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 He prefers his soda diet, preferably with Splenda. Okay. Sweetener. Okay. He drives a... Pontiac station wagon. Pontiac station wagon yeah. with wood panels. Yes, with wood paneling. Even though he, he keeps is British... And they didn't really sell Pontiacs over there. No, he, he had it imported because he loved it so much. Correct. One time he visited the States and he liked it so much that he imported it. He drove in one. Somebody picked him up on the highway. <laughs> His car broke down. And he was like, thank you, kind sir. And the gentleman was like, hello, this is my station wagon. Would you like one someday? <laughs> wow. <laughs> So we've created this entire fictional backstory for Mr. Patrick <laughs> Phelan. We're, we're so sorry, Mr. Phelan, if you're listening to this. <laughs> but it's a pretty cool backstory, at least. Yeah. 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 But one can say that his soundtrack for Zool was fantastic. Yeah. It, uh, I love the trumpets. Yeah. Really I think um, I was actually going to pick this for the last episode because this same soundtrack appears both on the Super Nintendo right. and the Genesis versions. But I, I think the Amiga version is just so much better than the other two. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the Genesis version is considered a good soundtrack. Yeah. But it just sounds so much, like, flatter. The, the, the drums aren't as powerful. This one just has a lot of oomph besides, be yeah. behind every single instrument. It's got a lot of power, especially, like I said, behind that trumpet. Just, like, every note is just... Uh, bum, 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 bum. Yeah. It's just... It's really cool and big bandish. It's it's a, it's a great track. And I love the... My favorite part... Yeah. My favorite part is the part where they're... They take a break during the song to water the flowers. So you'll, you'll hear... Yeah, the... Yeah, no, that's what they do. Yeah. They totally are doing that. They're watering the plants. Amiga has such great sound. Yes. I gotta say. It uh it's it's hit and miss. 
I mean, you know, for every single system out there. True. There's good stuff and there's bad stuff. Agreed. The good stuff on Amiga is super. Amazing. The bad stuff on Amiga is yeah. pretty mm, bad, but yeah. there were thousands of games on the Amiga, so Very you get to run into the good stuff and the bad stuff. Yeah, more often than not the good. It's a market that I have just begun to kind of tap into, mm -hmm. and so I really am interested in finding more, or finding more awesome Amiga soundtracks. So if you're a member of the group, the Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash groups slash Radio. Oh, I like how you slipped that in. Yeah, you know, join the group. Let me know about some good Amiga soundtracks because we should eventually do an Amiga episode. I would love to have a lot of user-submitted songs that we can play and talk Stuff. about. Yeah, it'd be fun. Sounds good. Where else can you find us? I think we also have a Twitter account. No, at do Pixel we? Tunes Radio. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's called at Pixel Tunes Radio. Right. 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 I think I post from there pretty often. Yeah, you do. I do. You can also listen to this podcast on youtube.com forward slash dongold. That's D as in Delta, O, N, G as in George, L as in Lima, E as in Echo, D as in David. Because, you know, sometimes people need a, a, a spelling. Yes, totally. Yeah. You can find us on Stitcher. Right. Which is a great way to actually stream the podcast. It's not in as high of a bitrate as it would be if you were to get it from, say, iTunes, iTunes or, or YouTube. Right. But you can definitely listen to it on the go if you have like a limited data plan for your cell phone and you just want to listen to us on the train on the way to work or something like that. Mm -hmm. How many people listen to us on the train, though? I don't know. If you listen to us on the train, let us know. At let us know what your, slash group let slash know what your train ride is like. We should do an all-train episode. Where we just talk to people about their train experiences. Well, I was going to say we can play music from train games. Train games? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Go home. Train games. There are train games. You're a train Thomas game. the Tank Engine. I'm not going to play that. Dude, Tim Fallon wrote for Thomas the Tank Engine. So. Then save it for your Tim and Fallon there's episode. there's Densha to Go, which is a fantastic series, which has lots of cool music in Why it. do you know so much about trains? Because I live with a three-year-old. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. He's really he loves trains. trains. Oh, okay. You know three-year-old. I mean, you don't have one yourself. I know three-year-olds. Trucks, trains, I've airplanes, construction vehicles. Those are like bread and butter to, to, to oh, little see, kids. That so wasn't me when I was three. You know what was me when I was three? Tifa. He-Man. Tifa? <laughs> Tifa came out... T well, no. No. I'm just joking. Boobs were gross back then. Gadget. No. No, I was three. <laughs> you know what I was into when I was three? He-Man. Yeah, He-Man was out when I was obviously older, but I was really into him too. So yeah, as far as next episode goes, I think that... Hello there. Hayabusa. Ryu? Wait a second. This what are you doing here? This is weird. I've been listening to your episode, and I feel like you didn't give enough credit to my other games. Well, yeah, I mean, we've played your other games before. I mean, we played Ninja Gaiden 2. But what about all the stuff on the Xbox? Uh, I mean, that stuff's okay, but, you know. Okay? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's more orchestral, it's more traditional Japanese, it's not really like the... I put my heart and soul into those games. Look, Ryu, we're not trying to, like, tell you that your games aren't good or anything. Yeah, and you didn't even write the music, I mean... Listen, I've got a pizza for you guys. Oh, really? Directly from Pizza Ninja. Hmm. I don't know, have you heard of that place? But... Pizza Ninja serves pizza and executions. Yes. 
So what does that mean? It means you get a pizza with a side of Ninja Slice! Ninja out. Oh, that about does it for Pixel Tunes <coughs> video. We, uh, 911, anybody? Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, guys. Ugh. He owns a grocery store in the main streets of Metro City. And the Mad Gear Gang is pressuring him for insurance money that he shouldn't have to pay. He also has a craving for deep dish pepperoni. Can you help him? You should call Mike Hagar. Sorry. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Start from the can you help him, because I think I overspoke you there. Okay.